Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Grace Church this evening. It's good to see all of you here. Those of you that are here with us on campus, it's an honor. And for those of you that are joining us via live stream and Facebook Live, we're glad that you decided to tune in wherever you are as well. Look at your neighbor and just give them a big smile. If you don't have a neighbor, just look around until you find somebody making eye contact and give that person a big smile. Amen. I want to give you a few announcements this evening before we get into our Bible study. Uh, first of all, all of our Connect Group leaders, we ask again that you please be aware of the Grace Church calendar. Whenever you are scheduling your meetings, please keep things that the church already has on their calendar in mind. This coming Friday, everybody saying night of worship. Yep, that's coming up. This, this coming Friday night at 730, our guest worship leader, Brother Brian Pound, will be with us. It's going to be a great night, great night of worship. We're expecting a move of God, looking forward to that uh, a whole lot. So uh, please come and uh, bring somebody with you and just come expecting to see God's spirit fall and move on people, touch their lives. And then as we've been announcing uh, over the last several services, Classroom One, what has previously been considered Classroom One, has now been set up as a prayer room. And so we open that uh, to you, we give you an invitation to go there. Uh, feel free to go in and pray. It's open anytime. And uh, we trust that you can uh, avail yourself of that as you see fit. Amen. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and jump right into our Bible study tonight. Um, I am going to warn you, it is necessary for you to engage your brain's thought process protocol now. Uh, turn the brains on. Uh, we've got um, some ground to cover, and uh, it, we're going to need we're going to need your thoughts tonight. And as a launching point, we are going to go to a very familiar passage in Matthew chapter 16. So let's go to Matthew 16, and we will read. And uh, after we read our text this evening, then we will pray and begin our Bible study. So Matthew 16 verses 13 through 17. It says. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Who do people say I am, fellas? And they said, Some say that you are John the Baptist, and some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said, Okay, fellas, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That word Christ means Messiah or anointed one. Now, this is significant because not only does Peter recognize that Jesus is the man who is fulfilling God's promises as a Savior, but Peter goes a step farther. Because he doesn't just say that thou art the Christ. He says you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. He's declaring that Jesus is the son of God. And acknowledging that Jesus is in fact divine. Verse 17. And Jesus answered and said. Blessed art thou Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood didn't tell you all that. You didn't get all that from just watching. And listening and paying attention. But my father which is in heaven has revealed this to you. Let's pray for just a moment this evening. Lord, I thank you so much that we have this incredible opportunity tonight to come together as a church family to open your word. 
to listen for your voice, God, to receive from you and to study, to get in to the concepts and precepts of your word. This is an awesome opportunity that we have tonight. Lord, I pray that you would help our minds tonight, help our minds to be open, uh, give, us, give us fresh minds so that we can process, so that we can think. Lord, and I pray that our hearts and spirits would also be open tonight to your word so that we can hear what you have for us to hear and so that we can receive that word and that it would do some good in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to encourage you this evening to start with the right question. Start with the right question. So let me start tonight by telling you what the starting line is not, what the right question isn't. The right question is not, who am I? The right question is not, why am I here? What's the meaning of life? What am I supposed to do with my life? Where do I go from here? What is God's will for my life? Those are all good questions. They are noble questions, probably necessary questions, but none of those, however, are the right question or the right starting point. So I, I want you all to stay with me for about three minutes here this evening while I lay a little bit of groundwork. We're going to read some scripture in a bit. It's Wednesday night. We're going to dig into some Bible. We're going to read some from the message. We're going to read some from the King James, just so y'all know I'm still saved. But I want y'all to, to engage your brains with me for a few minutes first. Jesus claimed that he is the way, the truth, and the life in John 14. Jesus claimed that he was the Messiah to the Samaritan woman at the well, John 4. You don't have the luxury of picking a few statements out about Jesus and making a decision about who he is. You've got to look at all of it. You've got to look at all of how he is presented in Scripture. And Jesus made some strong statements about who he was and what he was about. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. That doesn't leave a lot of room for discussion, does it? There is no in-between. There's no gray area with Jesus. In John 8, after a very long discussion with the Jews and the Pharisees, and they're questioning Jesus about who he is and where he's from, Jesus finally says of himself at the end of that chapter in John 8, 58, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. In the Living Bible, it says it this way, The absolute truth is that I was in existence before Abraham was even born. If you go to the message, that same scripture, John 8, 58, reads this way, Believe me, said Jesus, I am who I am long before Abraham was anything. There's not a lot of wiggle room in a public statement like that, is there? Jesus saw himself as God's own son. Jesus saw himself as Messiah. Jesus saw himself as 
the answer to every human problem. And furthermore, Jesus had zero problems with presenting and living out the truth of his identity. Because in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, Paul wrote and he said, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Jesus had zero, this is what this scripture means, Jesus had zero issues, no issues at all, zero self-conscious conflicts with being considered equal with God. Because like he told Philip in John 14, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus didn't make it ambiguous. He didn't leave it open to interpretation. It wasn't a concept left up for grabs. Both for those willing to listen and even for those that were very closed-minded and hard-hearted, Jesus was very specific about who he is. Y'all uh, ever seen an episode of The Family Feud? Come on, raise your hands. We're not going to throw you out to church if you saw an episode of The Family Feud. That's most of you. Some of you are still a little unsure. In the game show, The Family Feud, contestants are asked to guess how many of 100 people responded to various survey questions a certain way. And in a 2012 episode, contestants had to provide the top answers to the following survey question. Question, when someone mentions the king, to whom might he or she be referring? When someone mentions the king, to whom might he or she be referring? Here were the top four answers. Number one answer, 81 people said, anybody? I heard it. Elvis. Elvis Presley. 81 people. Talking about the king, talking about Elvis. Number two, seven people actually said Jesus or God. Three people said Martin Luther King Jr. Two people. Two people said the Burger King. Two, two people said Burger King. Now, out of all the answers for King you've got out there, we've got these two people that come up with, with Burger King. We'll pray for them. Our question this evening, and this is where we all need to start. We start here. We start with the right question. We start with this question. Who do you Say, I am. Who do you say that I am? That's what Jesus wants to know. He wants to know how you will answer that question. He wants to hear what you've got to say, and he wants to hear it today. i got to be honest with you. I, I want all of us in this room tonight to feel... A little bit of pressure. Not a lot of pressure because it's Wednesday night. It's a busy week. But I want you to feel just a little bit of pressure. Jesus wants to know, whenever you come near to me, whenever you get in my presence, what do you think about me? 
Whenever you read my words in red letters that you call the New Testament, or whenever you see my nature displayed in the scriptures that you call the Old Testament, what do you think about me? Whenever it's time for you to make a big decision, whenever you're facing a problem that's too big for you to handle and you know it, what do you think about me? Whenever you're just going through your, your daily routine and you're living out your life day to day, just doing your thing, what, what do you think about me? Your answer to that question will be the most important thing that you do today and tomorrow and for the rest of our lives. How we answer that question every day Y'all, that matters more than anything else. It's an important question. It's the ultimate question. And it's the right question. So let's start there. Let's start there. Who do you say that I am? So as we prepare to, to dig into this tonight, I want us to consider an aspect of God that most of us probably don't think about very often. And those of you that have, that have heard me teach like more than twice, you have probably heard this quote from me before, but I love it. A.W. Tozer said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. That concept will determine your life's course it will determine your overall level of happiness and fulfillment. What comes into your mind whenever you think about God, that will determine your concept of self, your ideas about purpose, your view of others and how you relate to them. The nitty-gritty of your day-to-day -day life's decisions will be determined by this simple yet profound understanding. What comes into my mind whenever I think about God, is the most important thing about me. We're going to go to Colossians for some insight about some things that we should think. And it's a long passage. I know it's a long passage, and I really want you to get it. But I love the simple, point-blank language of Eugene Peterson's The Message Paraphrase here. Let, let's get into this. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 23 says, God rescued us from dead-end alleys and dark dungeons. Thank you, Jesus. He set us up in the kingdom of the Son He loved so much. The Son who got us out of the pit we were in, got rid of the sins we were doomed to keep repeating. Verse 15. We look at this Son and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this sun and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in Him and finds its purpose in Him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. Who's this talking about? Who's this talking about? 
It's talking about Jesus. Paul's not done yet. He says in verse 18, he was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there towering far above everything and everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all of the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. Now Paul makes it personal. You yourselves are a case study. You are a case study of what he does. Because at one time, all of you had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance you got. But now, by giving himself completely at the cross and actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together whole and holy in his presence. You don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust, constantly tuned into the message, careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message, just this one. That just doesn't leave a lot of room for debate about who Jesus was, who Jesus is, does it? Jesus saw himself this way. But here's the aspect of God I want to talk to you about. We, we seldom refer to the modesty of God. Having read all of that in Colossians, Jesus saw himself this way, but he wasn't arrogant. He wasn't some kind of social media influencer, societal self-promoter. Jesus didn't go around. You can even read through the New Testament. Jesus didn't go around with people. Hey, I'm God. I'm God. Have you met me? You heard me teach? I'm God. I'm God. I'm the son of God. Did you see me turn the water into wine? I'm God. Walk on the water. That was me. I'm God. Do you know me? Have you heard me? I'm God. Jesus didn't do that. He was a foot washer. Jesus was a cross carrier. Understand the nature of God as a modest God. People hardly ever put that out there. We've heard, oh, you better watch out for God. He's righteous. He's holy. He's powerful. He's pure. And all that's true. But people don't talk about God being modest. People don't talk about Jesus in his modesty, but he is. He's modest. He doesn't go about bragging and talking himself up. Let, let me show you how you can see that truth about God in your own life. The truth that God is a modest God. You can see it in your own life in that he reveres and values your freedom. He knows that if he leverages his power too much in your life, that he will actually take away your free will to choose him because you want to 
not because you have to. He's God. And if he wanted to in his power, he could show himself so strong that you have no choice but to accept him. We know that there is a day like that coming. It says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess. But that day is not yet. Today you have a freedom to reject him because he is modest. We've got clear reference here in Colossians of how Jesus saw himself. The son of man and the son of God. The image of the invisible God, before all things, preeminent in all things, both the creator and the sustainer of the entire universe. But he doesn't go around forcing that fact on people. He doesn't force it on you. He doesn't demand that you acknowledge it. He's not flaunting his lordship in every second of every minute of your life. God takes a modest approach. God gets as close to us as he can without taking away our divine right to reject him. Did you catch that? You have a divine right, a right given by God to reject him should you so choose. He gave that right to you because he loves what he has created. And angels and other beings are looking into this creation. They are watching it and observing how it unfolds. And something is being told even to them. Something is even being told to the angels through how God interacts with us. Because God is unfolding the heights and the depths of the love that is his nature in his modest approach to humanity. God is unfolding the heights and the depths of his love to angels and principalities through his modest approach to you. If you go to the scriptures, you can see, actually in the book of Job, you'll see that Satan actually accuses God. That people serve him only out of greed or fear that God has, has somehow trapped people into serving him either because of his blessings and privileges or due to fear of his judgment and righteous anger. anger. And, and people still hurl those accusations against God even today. But God is showing all of creation through this dirt creature story that we're all a part of who he really is. And this is what he's saying. Know me. Know me. This is who I am. I love you so much that I will get as close to you as I possibly can without forcing myself on you. I am a modest God. And I will preserve your right to refuse me. I will preserve your right to look at all of the facts about me and say, mm, no, you know what? Sorry, Jesus, not enough. No, thank you. Don't care, Jesus. Don't agree. Don't get it. Don't see it. Don't like it. Not worth it. You have that right. 
Because God, he is all of these incredible things that are talked about in Colossians. And he's modest. Jesus wants to know, this is how I see myself. How do you see me? What do you think about me? That's the right question. That's where we need to start. So let's get down to the, to the real life application. Some, some practical stuff for everyday living here on a, on a Wednesday night. Here's practical point number one for those of you taking notes. Knowing someone is more than knowing about someone. Knowing someone is more than knowing about someone. Jesus asked the disciples, who do, who do men say that I am? Oh, well, they say you might be this guy, you might be that guy. Okay. But who do you say that I am? Yeah, it's, it's pretty critical, Grace Peeps, that we understand the difference about knowing someone and knowing about someone. One of my, I'm going to catch some flack for this later. But one of my favorite professional athletes is NFL quarterback Tom Brady. I know, I know, deflate gate, all of that, he's a cheater. I'm not saying he is the best role model, but he is a pretty amazing quarterback. And I like watching Tom Brady play football. Even now, the dude's like 42 years old, and he's still amazing. Carving them up out there. He's amazing. Now look, I, I know a few things about Tom Brady. I know he's married to Gisele. I know he's got a, a fitness company, a nutrition company, T12, TB12. I, I know he's played for New England for 20 years. I know he's playing for Tampa Bay now. I know his favorite receiver was Rob Gronkowski. I know all that. He's trying to get Rob to come back. I know that he holds the record for starting regular season games. I know that he's got the record for regular season wins by a starting quarterback. I know that he's got the, the record for most regular season passing yards. I know he's got the record for total division titles. He's got the record for Pro Bowl appearances. He's the oldest player to ever win NFL MVP. He's got the record for Super Bowl appearances. He's cut the record for Super Bowl wins. Tom Brady has seven Super Bowl wins. That's more than any NFL franchise. He's got the record for Super Bowl MVPs. I know some things about Tom Brady. Now you do too. You're welcome. I know some things about Tom Brady. But do I know Tom Brady? Never met the man. Never even been in the same building. I don't know that I've ever been in the same state as Tom Brady. But even if I had met him, it still wouldn't mean that I know him. He's a sports hero that I admire. He's good at playing football. Likewise, just because I can throw out some cool resurrection statistics and some great old stories... And maybe even offer a few choice quotes. Doesn't mean I know Jesus. Watch me. Watch me. I've met with Jesus. 
I have been in the same room with Jesus. I have been in his presence many times. We've talked. I've talked a lot. He's listened a lot. Sometimes he talks and I actually hear what he says. But do I know him? My life will never be complete if all I do is worship God's statistics. And have some cool memorabilia about him scattered about my house. Come on somebody, that authenticated piece of Christ's cross that you've got hanging up there above your mantle. That makes you a fan, not a follower, not a disciple. Doesn't mean you know him. You can pack your life floor to ceiling with stuff about Jesus and still be missing the point. You can know a ton about Jesus. You can even get degrees, multi-year university degrees in knowing about Jesus. But do you know him? Don't replace knowing him with knowing about him. We can't afford to get those two things confused. Because we can never know about him to the point that we know him. You, you can study Tom Brady all you want to. You can watch every highlight reel. Study in depth every play where every player is in every position and every play he's ever made and every game he's ever played in. But I will never learn my way into actually knowing him. I'll just know about him. Let me try it this way. This might be too transparent for the pulpit, but that's never stopped me before. Some of you that have been around me a little while, uh, you know that I've got a thing for guitars and certain guitar players. And one of the guitar players that I really, really like is a guy named Saul Hudson. Some of you probably don't know him by that name. You know him by his stage name. His stage name is Slash. Wears a black leather top hat and sunglasses. I like Slash. He, his, I like his playing style. It's, it's slicker than chicken grease. The guy is just, he's got this feel that I really enjoy. I, I know a lot about him. I know a lot about the tone of his guitars and his playing style, what types of guitars he uses, and, and the amps that he uses, and how he approaches certain scales and melodies. And he, he's got a tone and a style that I, can, that I can recognize. I see you giggling back there, Jonathan Groan. He's got musical tendencies that I'm familiar with. Let's say it that way. Y'all probably don't know who this is. I'm probably the only person in the room who knows this, who this is, but I actually met Al Petrelli one night. Al Petrelli shook my hand. I, I told a lie that night. I said, I'm never going to wash this hand, and I did. I did wash it. But I met Al Petrelli, incredible guitarist and musician. I know a lot about Slash. I know a lot about Al Petrelli, but I don't know either one of those guys. I know a lot about them. Watch me. I'm impressed by them. They do stuff that amazes me. They do stuff that captures my ear and sometimes even captures my heart. 
I can usually correctly identify their work. You can listen to something and say, oh, that's Saul Hudson, a.k.a. Slash. That's Al Petrelli. Sometimes, not very often, sometimes I can even pick up a guitar and sound a little bit like one of them. But I don't know them. I do not know them. What I'm driving at this evening, I know I am beating this point to death, is that we have got to start in the right place. After talking about Tom Brady and Slash, I'm going to make this spiritual. We have to know Jesus. It's not enough to mimic him. It's not enough to perform like him. It's not enough to sound like him. If we're going to be who we are destined to be and have positive, meaningful, God-glorifying lives where we daily walk out the steps of our God-given purpose, we have to start here. Start in the right place. Know Him. Not about Him. Know Him. And here's the great part about it. When you know someone, I mean really know them, whenever you've got that personal relationship and that personal connection with them, you don't have to get all stressed out about knowing everything about them. Because you can just ask. Look, I can text Steve Bunch any day of the week. Hey, Steve, what distortion tone did you run in that song set last Sunday? And after about three or four days, he'll text me back. Hey, hey, Steve, what, what reverb and chorus setting do you really like for slow songs? Hey, man, for, for that, that intro solo, is that neck pickup, bridge pickup? What, what are you running? I don't have to know all of that. I can just ask Steve, and he'll tell me. Because I know him, we're personally connected, and we're friends. Here's what that means. I'm making this as practical as I can. When we know Jesus, whenever we have that personal relationship with Jesus, there will never be a lack for knowing about him because we know him. I just want us to kind of sit and stew in that for a little while this evening because I don't think that, I, that we can ever overstate it. If you've pledged your life to Jesus Make sure that you haven't pledged your life to a bunch of factoids about Jesus. Like I was reading off about Tom Brady earlier. Because just like he asked his disciples in our text in Matthew 16, he wants to know, do you know me? Do you really know me? Do you know who I am? Because he's ready, Jesus is ready to not just be known about, not just data not just statistics and stories and quotes, but for you to know him, what he loves, what he cherishes, what he enjoys, what he longs for, what he prioritizes, what, what captures his heart, what drives him. He wants you to know it. Well, Jason, I, I mean, I'm listening to you tonight, but I don't know any of that stuff. Well, okay. Have you asked him? That's what happens in a relationship. Whenever you don't know, you ask. Now let me show you something really cool. 
practical point number two. And this is a side benefit. The ultimate is to know Him. But this is just a blessing because God is good that in knowing Him, we come to know ourselves. I'm going to show you this in Scripture. In knowing Him, we come to know ourselves. In answering the question about who He is, He tells us who we are. Isn't that an awesome God? Jesus asked this question of His closest followers. He wants to know. You're following me? Do you really know me? Who am I to you? Am I just another? He's talking to the disciples. He wants to know, am I just another do-gooder to you? Am I just another rabbi, just another teacher? Am I just another voice? Am I, am I some kind of political activist to you, fellas? A means to an end to get the Romans off of your back and somehow make your life better? Is that, is that who I am to you? Jesus was pretty clear about who he really was. But he also knows that we're pretty good at getting the facts twisted sometimes. Because we'll put our own spin on things to make them make sense in our world. But here's newsflash. Jesus didn't make sense. He didn't make sense back then, and Jesus doesn't make sense right now. He defied every expectation they had of the Messiah. The reality of Jesus and their expectation of Jesus and what he was about, they just they weren't lining up. We thought Messiah was going to be this and do this. And we were going to have this and see this. And that's not what we're getting here, Jesus. And we do the same thing. We want Jesus to fit into our reality and our expectation. And in so doing, we diminish who he really is. And just because we're twisting the data to force him into our little world and make him be who we want him to be. We've got this bad habit of creating God in our own image. And that's, that's not what the Bible says. He made us in his image, not the other way around. Voltaire said it best in the 17th century. Voltaire said, God made man in his image and we returned the favor. Jesus asked them, who am I to you? And only one of the 12 apostles had any kind of answer for Jesus. And I love the fact that it was Peter. Because Peter was the dude in the room that always said something that any, everybody else was afraid to say. It made me feel better about myself. Because that's kind of how I've lived my life. And while the rest of them just stood there and didn't know what to say, the right question, the ultimate question is right there in front of them. Who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? And Peter, good old Peter, somehow gets it right. I know who you are. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the anointed one. The one we've been waiting on. You're the God-man. You are the fleshly embodiment of the God that we've been looking for. Powerful revelation. And this is where it gets awesome. Let's go back to Matthew 16 one more time. And Jesus answered him. This is verses 17 and 19. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Borjona, for flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father which is heaven is in heaven. Watch this. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Get this. When Simon correctly identified who Jesus was, Jesus identified who Simon was. And he said, thou art Peter. From then on, he wasn't Simon anymore. He was Peter. Petros in the Greek means rock. When Simon answered, listen to me, this is what we've been driving at all night long. Whenever Simon answered the right question, who am I to you? How do you see me? What do you think about me? Whenever he answered the right question, Jesus gave Simon the answer he was looking for. What all of us are looking for. Identity, meaning, purpose, a place, a calling, a mission, a reason for living, a place to belong, something to belong to. Knowing God is paramount. To finding out why he made you. And who he means for you to be. God wants you to know him. And in discovering him, he wants to give you the revelation of who you are too. He wants to open your eyes to what you can become in him. Simon Peter wasn't the rock yet. Jesus saying, oh, you, you've got some learning to do, Pete. You're going to make some mistakes. I, I, I see you night around the campfire, and you scared to death little servant girls and denying me three times. But, but you know what? I also, see, I also see further on in the future you standing up on the day of Pentecost and preaching a sermon and, and thousands of people receiving my spirit. I see you going in chains into an upside-down cross for me. You're my rock. It's who you really are. I just want to encourage somebody as we wrap up this evening. I want to encourage somebody. Listen to me. Stop talking about who you are not and what you cannot do. Somebody needs to hear this. Stop talking about who you are not and what you cannot do. And instead, start talking about who God is in your life. Listen to what Jesus says about you, because in knowing him, you come to know yourself. Instead of focusing on your inconsistencies and all of the gaps in your life and the holes in your game, whatever you want to call it, talk about the fullness of Christ. Think about the fullness of Christ. Take that into account whenever you think of yourself. You know why? Because he lives in you. He, Christ, this one that we've been talking about all night, the sustainer and creator of the universe, lives in you and through you. You are complete in him. You are made whole and holy in him. 2 Peter 1 and 3. In the King James it says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain 
unto life and goodness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Listen to this, and the New Living Translation says it this way. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. He's given you everything you need to live a godly life. And how did you receive it? By coming to know him. The almighty God. I believe this with every fiber of my being. The almighty God is living out his story through you. And through me. Your life. The life of every person in this room is a continuation of God's story. That means you aren't lacking. That means he's given you what you need. That means his supply is always enough for you. Start with the right question. Start here. Who am I? So look, I'm going to give you some next steps. It's been a while. I'm going to give you some next steps. You have homework class. And this is what I'm going to ask you to do. For the rest of this week, we've got three days left. We've got Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm asking all of you for five minutes. Five minutes. Uh, first thing I'm going to ask you to do is that for two minutes, I want you to think about and write down who Jesus is to you. Identify him in your life. Answer this question. Who am I to you? What do you think about me? Just write it down. You can put it in a note in your phone. You don't have to go old school and get out a pen and paper. That's the way I want you to do it. But I'm flexible. Put it in your phone. Who am I to you? For two minutes, set a timer. What do you think whenever you think about me? Write it down. And after you do that, ask him this question. Ask not, not me, not yourself. Ask Jesus this question. Jesus, what do you want me to know about you? And listen, just listen. For one word, one thought. And if he gives you one, write that down too. Now that's five minutes. That's all I'm asking for. Five minutes, 15 minutes between Thursday, Friday, Saturday. For those of you that want to go a little deeper... Because there's some nerds in the room. And you always want to do a little extra homework. But for those of you that are willing to go a little deeper and want some extra credit, here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Go to Google and find one scripture or passage in the Bible for that word or that phrase that Jesus speaks to you about himself. And put that in your notes. For those of you that are willing to engage, I believe God's going to talk to you and tell you some things about who he is and also tell you some things about who you are and probably some things that you've been needing to hear for a while. Let's pray. Jesus did the best I could with what you gave me. Um, I believe that some of this hit home for some people tonight. What I'm going to ask you to do, Lord, is continue to reveal yourself to us. 
I say it often, Lord, and, and I say it because it's made such a difference in my life. Talk to us in ways that we know and recognize as your voice. Thank you for being so modest and not forcing yourself on us. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to uncover and discover who you are through our life experiences or through our experiences in church, through our experiences in the word. You are so good. You want to be known. And we want to know you. And it's just so awesome that in the process of discovering you, that you reveal to us who we are. Thank you again, Jesus, for your word. Be with us all tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you this evening, Grace Church. Have a wonderful rest of the week. Hopefully, we will see you here Friday night for Night of Worship. God bless.